Hello, this is Dr. Shiva. Welcome to our podcast, Get Educated or Be Enslaved. Episode 976, air date July 26, 2021. Hello, good evening, everyone. It's Dr. Shiva Ayadure. It's been a very long time, but we're going to be doing or restarting our series on systems and systems biology of different kinds of foods and how they affect different biomolecular functions, and also uh, looking at how systems uh, analysis can be used for understanding what's going on in our lives and our society and things around us on day-to-day events. So today I'm going to uh, start doing a live on a series that's going to be called the Systems Biology of Curry series. Let me bring it up. And curry, as some of you may know, is a combination spice. It's a spice that's existed for tens of thousands of years. Um, and that combination spice uh, consists of many different kinds of, obviously, herbs. So we're going to be looking at a black pepper. Typically, over the many, many thousands of years, uh, people in traditional cultures, uh, particularly in India, created this spice curry. And by the way, curry is not just one formula. In different villages, it can vary from family to family. It can vary. It can also vary from north to south India. Um, and you can make your own combination. So we're going to talk about curry as a spice. It's really a medicine in many ways, if you believe food is medicine. And But we're going to look at one of those ingredients today, black pepper, and how it affects digestive health. And then we're going to keep building this up. But over uh, time, we're going to start looking at how these combinations affect. So it's a great um, way for people to understand how food is medicine, how food is actually a system, how every one of these ingredients that we have are actually part of a synergistic system. So that's what we're going to start with. But anyway, um, good to be back. Uh, As many of you know, I've been extremely busy over the last month working on this historic lawsuit where we filed our revised second amended complaint. I'll be doing another broadcast at probably 5.30 p.m. today, bringing all of you up to date on that lawsuit. But today, uh, right now, for the next hour, we're going to be talking about uh, black pepper and curry. Uh, But as many of you know, we take a systems approach here. So the first thing I wanted to do for those of you who are new, and it's good to have everyone back with you from Arkansas, South Dakota, uh, a lot of people uh, coming in from all over the world in the country, Pittsburgh, where else? Uh, okay, great, thank you. Uh, Jamaica, excellent. So let's just start. And before I start, um, many of you know that uh, when I take a systems approach to this, um, to understand food as medicine, one of the important things we want to understand is that at vashiva.com, you actually can go to that website and everyone can take the first step to to start, or you've already part of this, taking a systems approach, a systems thinking approach to understand the world as a system. So first, um, I wanted to play this video to you so all of you understand my journey to systems. So here we go. Welcome to VA Shiva. VA Shiva is a product of my journey across East and West, science and tradition, ancient and modern, that brings you the science of systems so you can become a force for truth, freedom, health. VA Shiva is a platform of revolutionary education, community building, and weaponry for unleashing local activism. My journey to VA Shiva begins in the chaos of Bombay, where I experienced diverse religions, languages, castes, and in a small village that had no running water, no electricity, where my grandmother, a poor village farmer, practiced Siddha, an ancient system of Indian medicine over 10,000 years old. She observed one's face, the art of Samudrika Lakshanam, 
to understand a body's unique constitution, allowing her to deliver the right medicine for the right person at the right time. Watching my grandmother heal others, I was inspired to study medicine, but I was also aware of the corrupt caste system of India, which denigrated a human being, where my family were considered low caste untouchables, where one's birth determined one's destiny. The grit and determination of my mother and father led them to get educated and to come to America, a one in a trillion event. Their actions inspired me to work hard and excel. While in ninth grade, I attended New York University in a computer science program, and subsequently at the age of 14, was given a full-time job as a research fellow at what is now known as Rutgers Medical School in the heart of Newark, New Jersey. There I investigated the system of sleep using mathematics, computer science, and biology for sudden infant death syndrome. It was there in Newark where I invented email when I was the first to convert every feature of the physical, paper-based inner office mail system, including inbox, outbox, memo, carbon copy, blind carbon copy, attachments, into its electronic equivalent, a system which I named email, a term that I was the first to coin. On August 30th, 1982, I was awarded the first U.S. copyright for the invention of this system, recognizing me as the inventor of email. At that time, copyright was the only way to protect software inventions. I went on to MIT where I earned four degrees across multiple systems of engineering, electrical, mechanical, design, biological. That training led me to invent many other systems for advancing humankind. Echomail, the world's first intelligent email management system. Cytosol, a computational biology system for eliminating animal testing to discover new medicines faster, cheaper, and safer. And to the creation of a whole systems methodology for certifying clean food. These innovations led me back on a Fulbright to India, where I discovered the missing link between Eastern medicine and Western systems theory honoring my grandmother to develop your body, your system, a powerful tool that will help you understand how your body is a system and how the inputs of food, supplements, and exercise bring your body back to its natural system state. And Systems Health, an integrative educational discipline that is now integrated into the VA Shiva platform that will enable you to learn the science of systems, the science of everything, be it your body as a system or our society and politics as a system to reveal the foundational interrelationships between truth, freedom, health. Now is the time for you to be the light, learn the science of systems, build community and weaponize yourself to unleash the activism necessary to deliver truth, freedom, health in your local community. Welcome to VA Shiva. All right, everyone, welcome back. It's Dr. Shiva Idre. So today we're going to be talking about black pepper and its effect um, on digestive health. But we're, it's going to be part of our series, as you can see, about looking at uh, curry. Curry is a combination spice. It's a food, and it's composed of many, many spices. But later on this evening, before my class that I teach at 5.30 p.m., I'll be also giving an update on the lawsuit. Uh, some very, very uh, interesting and powerful developments. I'll be spending about an hour on this. So uh, this will end at around uh, probably 4.30, and then we'll start up again at 5.30. So we have a lot to cover. Um, so anyway, let's, um, let's begin. And as a first part of that, what I want to do is, uh, as you can see, the title of today's talk is Black Pepper uh, from Curry and Digestive Health. Um, but we're going to take a systems biology approach to look at it. It's going to be part of a series. 
So let me just jump right into this and say what, what we're going to cover today. So first, we're going to go over what is curry powder. Many of you have probably heard about curry powder. Um, so we're going to talk about what is curry powder. Then we're going to look at one of the ingredients curry powder, uh, which is black pepper. And then we're going to go and look at uh, the biological functions of black pepper's uh, effects, and then the health benefits of black pepper. And then we're going to look at the molecular mechanisms and pathways that's involved in when you digest things. Many people are now coming to recognize that your digestive health, which is your gut, and your brain are very, very intimately related. So what occurs below occurs above. So um, uh, if you talk to gastroenterologists or neurologists or anyone who's even in traditional medicine, they'll, rec uh, they'll tell you that the gut health is directly related to brain health and vice versa. So because, in, in fact, there's a direct connection there. Okay. Uh, yes, to those of you uh, coming back, I've taken about probably a three, four-week break, and I apologize for that. I've been extremely focused on our lawsuit, and that's a whole system we'll also discuss, and I'll be discussing that at 5.30 today. But anyway, when you, and the other thing we're going to talk about is the clinical effect on black pepper dosaging. But again, this is going to be a series that we're going to do on all the different ingredients in curry powder. And the reality is in many um, traditional cultures, particularly in the Indian culture where they make curry powder, the curry powder can be tuned for you based on your body type, your constitution, you may have a different mixture than another family, okay? So that's very interesting to understand. And, and when we get to talk about cytosol, we'll understand um, that we're able to integrate east and west. So let me just jump right into this. So uh, first of all, uh, what is curry powder? So uh, yes, Bonnie, great to have you back. Yes, great to be back. Uh, so what is curry powder? Well, curry powder, you'll find out, is a medicinal spice mixture. The important thing is it's a mixture. It's not any one spice. It's a mixture. It's a combination of a number of components. And it's, it's an essential component of diet across the Indian subcontinent. Uh, in fact, if you travel across Southeast Asia now, uh, it's also you'll find curry being used in Vietnam, parts of Indonesia, you know, across that uh, shoreline as you go from sort of India all the way um, you know, further east, but it's, a, it's in the Indian subcontinent. And the earliest use of this uh, spice uh, dates back at least to 2600 BC. And uh, each part of India has its own version of curry powder spice. If you go to certain parts of India, it is so spicy, you know, you want it, basically it's like torture, right? But for there, for those regions, it's fine. But it literally varies from different parts of India uh, to India, which means Again, the combination of spices that are put in there, the dosaging varies. Uh, now, the ingredients of curry powder, each one of those ingredients have a multitude of medicinal properties. One of the tools, by the way, that I've created called Your Body, Your System, which is a tool that's part of the warrior training program or those people want to support the educational um, institution, basically, that's developed over here online you all can have also access to your body, your system, but you can figure out how you can actually make your own combination of curry that's right for you. So, but curry is basically a mixture of spices. That's probably the most important thing to understand. And here are some of the, it's very colorful here. You can see the different types of um, ingredients in curry powder, if you look here. 
And so if you look uh, over here, you can see that there's dried red chilies, there's coriander, okay? There's curry leaf, uh, there's black peppercorn, which is what we're gonna talk about. You take the peppercorn, you grind it. On the uh, bottom over there, you have yellow mustard seeds. Then you have fenugreek, you have turmeric, you have garlic. You also have uh, ginger, cinnamon, fennel, cumin, right? So it's a whole set of spices that are combined. And if you look at each one of those spices, they all have different medicinal effects. And again, as I keep emphasizing, the amount of each one of those ingredients you put in can be tuned to your body's constitution, which means the right curry for the right person at the right time. And this is one of the fundamental principles when you take a systems approach. Western medicine is extremely good if you are targeting something, right? Uh, the history of Western medicine, it comes out of wartime medicine when someone was suffering on the battlefield, the goal was to put them back on. It was a crisis-based medicine system. So it's really about, you know, someone, you know, leg is, you know, blown up. You know, how do you stitch it back together? It's excellent for that, right? Surgery and all the incredible developments that came out of Western medicine for crisis, but it knows relatively nothing about stuff like this. Eastern medicine was looking at combinations of things, combining them, synergy. So anyway, curry is a, a really epitomizes that. That's why as we're coming back and we're starting um, for the fall now with our whole new series, I really thought curry was a great thing to understand the concept of synergy and systems. All right, so it's a lot of different spices. So now black pepper, let's go back. Black pepper, as you notice, is one of the ingredients. So right, so if you look at this, uh, buffet of different spices that are used. It's the one right here below the curry leaf, but we're gonna look at, it's just one part of those ingredients, right? So it's widely used uh, spice, which is black pepper. Some people consider the king of spices. And it's fascinating if you've ever seen a uh, black pepper grow, it actually grows almost, it looks like a, you know, if you take a bean, uh, you know, a bean pot and you open it up, the little, the little pods of, are green and then you let it dry, but it's very interesting to see it grow in the wild. But it's widely used spice that enhances other spices. So it's really something that supports the bioactivity of other spices. So if some of you are taking turmeric um, as a spice, many times you'll notice that many of the supplement companies will have turmeric, but they'll add black pepper. And the research shows that black pepper increases the bioavailability of turmeric. So it's really, uh, an additional spice, but that's where, but again, uh, traditional medicine knew this for many, many thousands of years. Now it's, uh, it's native, it grows in the Western Ghats uh, of, of the South Indian Peninsula. I've actually walked through those jungles and I've seen pepper grow, it's quite extraordinary. Uh, it's prescribed as medicine in the traditional Indian medicine for over 4,000 years. And one of the active compounds in black pepper um, plays a very key role in gastrointestinal functionality. So remember, food is medicine. In the Western approach, we typically look at a food like a spice, and we typically try to find the molecular components. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to take an East-West approach um, in understanding black pepper. Now, how many papers are written, right? So if you go to the scientific literature, you'll find that there's close to 1,400 papers. Uh, exactly right now, if you were to go to PubMed and you typed in black pepper, you'd find out there's 1,376 research papers written on black pepper, and that's um, going across 334 clinical trials. A clinical trial is where they take in black pepper, 
they've brought in human beings and they've done a control test on some effect. Uh, it's been, you know, studied over the last, you know, 76 years. So that's about three quarters of a century. So um, we've talked about other compounds which have been studied more extensively, but it's only in the recent years has Western medicine started funding in a very small little piece uh, to start studying the power of food uh, as medicine. It's unfortunate, but it's only been more recent. But you can see there's about 1,376 articles written on black pepper. So now many of you know that um, at, uh, for my PhD work at MIT, there's a technology that I created, which is called Cytosol. And what Cytosol allows us to do is, so if you look at all those 1400 papers, how would anyone have the time to go through all those papers, understand how black pepper really works, let's say on a subset, something called digestive health, right? Because black pepper affects many, many different molecular pathways. So how do we do that? Well, in 2003, and I'll play a little video so you understand what Cytosol is, but Cytosol is the engine that came out of my PhD work, which as a public service, I do these videos to look at a particular ingredient which affects a particular biochemical process. And that, uh, that knowledge we're able, we're able to make aware because of Cytosol. So Cytosol, as you see in this diagram, is we're able to actually take thousands of papers, right, in, in, in the public domain that your tax dollars and my tax dollars funded, and using that knowledge, we're able to extract the relevant papers, in this case having to do with digestive health, out of those 1,400 papers. Then from those papers, we, are, we then extract the chemical reactions of how black pepper works on digestive health. So now you have all these um, chemical uh, reactions. And with Cytosol, we're able to not only just connect those Lego pieces together, but also mathematically model those pieces and interconnect them. So that's what Cytosol is, and I'll play a little video for you, but the goal here is with Cytosol, we can eliminate the need for animal testing. That was one of my motivations because the notion of you know jabbing and poking and killing animals when animals have very different physiologies than we do never made sense to me. So with Cytosol, we're actually leveraging the work that's taking place in test tubes and organizing that knowledge and restudying it. So when we, uh, one of the areas that Cytosol obviously can affect if, uh, is that if you look at the way pharmaceutical companies build drugs, is they take some 13 to 15 years to just to create, just to understand how one molecule works in the body. And then it takes some, uh, you know, they have to kill animals in this process, takes them anywhere between, you know, one to five billion dollars. But if you notice in this diagram, first, as you notice on the far left over here, they start with a new compound, which could be, I don't know, Advil, right? Then they test it in a test tube, then they test it in an animal, and then it takes them another, if they make it past and they don't kill too many animals, the FDA gives them the rights to test it on humans, small sets of humans phase one, more larger sets of humans phase two, and a large, much larger phase three. Well, that process takes 13 to 15 years, very expensive. This is why drugs are so expensive, because the innovation life cycle is done in a very, very medieval way. So my intention was, could we do this much faster, which is if you look at these first three processes in vitro and in vivo, imagine doing them on the computer because then we could reduce it, reduce the cost and the time frame. Pharma companies move very, very slow um, and they can't, they're not really interested in handling combination for that matter of food. So, um, and if you can look right here, what you'll see here is 
pharmaceutical companies are not doing that well. This is why they need the jab. They need the jabination. Because as you can see here, they've been spending more and more and more money on R&D and less and less and less new drugs are being discovered because they've sort of run out of what's called their drug development pipeline, right? And they definitely not, don't want to go into food because food's not going to make them trillions of dollars. But anyway, let me play this quick video so everyone understands a little more detail on what Cytosol is. Who would have ever thought someone like me would invent email and create Cytosol to revolutionize health for personalized and precision medicine, a system for delivering the right medicine for the right person at the right time. I was born a low caste untouchable in India's caste system, a system of aristocracy, oppression and racism. As a child I observed my grandmother, a poor village farmer, practice Siddha, India's oldest system of medicine, to heal local villagers by observing their face, to know their unique constitution, to deliver a unique combination of foods, healing herbs and massage. The caste system and her abilities to heal inspired me to understand the interconnectedness of all life. My name is Dr. Shiva Ayadure. I'm an MIT PhD, a Fulbright scholar, a scientist, technologist, and inventor. My family and I left India to come to America on my seventh birthday. As a 14-year-old, I began working as a full-time research fellow at Rutgers Medical School to unravel the mysteries of sudden infant death syndrome, SIDS, and created the world's first email system long before I ever heard of MIT. As I traverse academia over the next three decades, I observe self serving academics, never solving real problems, writing grant after grant, competing for tenure while diminishing real science and real scientists, pushing a reductionist science to destroy the scientific method. Like the blind men who never saw the whole elephant but the parts, they delivered a dismembered view of reality. I observed Big Pharma use such reductionism, wasting billions year after year to fund research in test tubes, killing animals, and using the poor as guinea pigs for clinical testing to create products that even the FDA no longer allowed. Not not only Big Pharma practice this reductionism, but also the elites of Big Vitamin, Big Green and Big New Age, with gurus and yogis, empowered by Hollywood celebrities, selling one supplement after another based on a cherry-picked science. All that changed in 2003, when the Human Genome Project ended, revealing that humans have the same number of genes, about 20,000 as that of a worm, giving rise to a systems biology. We realized that one-size-fits-all medicine was a failure. We realized their medicines were killing us, making today's generation's lifespan shorter than any previous generation. Obesity, heart disease, deaths from adverse reaction to drugs, confusion on what diet, what supplements, and who to believe is what they have delivered you. They push natural and organic products for your beauty and wellness, while their real solution is their plastic surgeons and Botox. We've been sold out. It's time for real science, a system science that interconnects the parts to discover truth, to know what really works to get the health we need and deserve. This is why I created Cytosol. Cytosol is about truth, freedom, and health versus power, profit, and control. Cytosol is a revolutionary technology integrating bioinformatics, computational biology, mathematical modeling, decentralization to reveal the truth. Cytosol computes trillions of potential combinations of biomolecular interactions to discover what actually works based on the actual science. No reductionism, no cherry picking. Cytosol's predictive modeling has been proven accurate time and time again, matching laboratory results. Cytosol discovers synergistic combinations of compounds to maximize health and reduce toxicity. For example, we 
know curcumin from turmeric and resveratrol from red grapes alleviate inflammation, but how much should we combine? Current methods are hand-waving at best. Here, with Cytosolve, we first model the control condition with no curcumin and no resveratrol to simulate high inflammation with the cytokine level at 0.15 micromolar. Next, we add just 5 micromolars of curcumin. The inflammation drops to 0.05. Next, we use 5 micromolars of resveratrol and the inflammation drops from 0.15 to 0.06. But when we combine curcumin and resveratrol of 3 micromolars of curcumin and 2 micromolars of resveratrol, inflammation drops from 0.15 to 0.03, far lower, nearly 200% less than just one compound alone. That's the synergy principle of system science. We've all had enough of their fake and reductionist science. They think we'll simply keep buying their marketing, their celebrities, and their products that can never truly heal us. We don't need them. Great things come when we integrate the best of things. It's our time. It's time we've delivered solutions for ourselves. It's time for truth, freedom, and health. It's time for Cytosol. Welcome. All right, everyone. So I hope that gave you a background on Cytosol. We have also people on Instagram who are finally joining us. Uh, but anyway, so to those of you who are joining us, we're, we're looking at the effects of black pepper on digestive health. And what I just went over was to give everyone a background on what is Cytosol, because that's the framework that we use to understand uh, the science here. And so, by the way, many of you have asked, uh, some of you may know, that for years we've been using Cytosol to help many, many of the entrepreneurial, more cutting edge companies. Uh, many, many years ago, I actually wanted to help the pharma guys so they would stop killing animals. A couple of them started using us, and but the reality is pharmaceutical companies are really not that interested in innovation, but they validated the power of Cytosol to literally uh, save them a lot of money and time, but the reality is it's not about saving money that pharmaceutical companies are. They're more about figuring out how much more they can charge you, and this is why the jab and the jabination is so valuable for them because that's a multi-trillion dollar industry. Their current pharmaceutical industry is dying, so they're moving their entire infrastructure to this new space, but one of the things I want to let you know is for years we've been really using Cytosol to help people understand combinations. Um, more recently, about two years ago, we said, hey, why don't we take all these mathematical models and start using it to deliver you know, medicine for the people? Could we use Cytosol to start looking at natural products on our own versus just helping others and find new um, products? So one of the things I'm really pleased to announce is that uh, after about two years of research, about 16 years of building those models, we have one of our first products that is all designed you know, computed by our efforts. It's called MV25, and you guys can find it up online, but MV25 it, uh, means, we've named it, momentum to move. You know, in physics, there's uh, something called mass times velocity, which is momentum, so we called it MV for mass times velocity. But if you notice, it's a cytosol optimized, and it's a blend of natural ingredients, just like we're gonna talk about curry that we found has profound effects on you know the, the pain and the discomfort that come and if you guys want to go check it out you'll find out that one of the key things that we're doing with mv25 we're taking a systems approach the problem is if you go to whole foods today and you go ask people well how did you come up with that combination i mean take any supplement combination 
And first of all, most of the people at Whole Foods don't know a lot, or Amazon doesn't know a lot. Amazon just watches whatever sells and they'll copycat it. But unfortunately, this has been the problem in the natural products industry. It's sort of the other side of the problem with pharma. People just throw stuff together, they find a celebrity, and they just push stuff out there. It's really not based on any real science because a tool like Cytosol didn't exist. But with Cytosol, we're literally mathematically computing the pathways. And then when we add the ingredients, we're figuring out the chemical reaction. So with NV25, as the back of the bottle says, what we're doing here, let me zoom in on it, it says NV25 was formulated using the Cytosol computational systems biology engine, and which came out of my MIT work. And using that engine, we're literally computing trillions of molecular reactions. That's what we did to find these particular blend. Now, one of the key things that we make here, it, it says a cytosol optimized means this formula has been optimized to maximize benefits and bioavailability while minimizing toxicity. As the science advances, so will this formulation. So this formulation, literally a human being could not do it, you know, or we could take thousands of years. When you look at curry spice, people spent millions of man years doing different, different combinations over 20,000 years. But here on the computer, we've, figured out through trillions of combinations, the right set of combinations of ingredients, which is what we can do with the computer versus spending another 20,000 years, um, that we found has some profound effects on things like pain and inflammation. But more importantly, the promise here is this, as new science comes out, we'll keep reformulating it. So Cytosol is literally an operating system for discovery. So if you guys want to know more, by the way, I know a number of you ordered it and then we ran out but we have 10,000 new units coming in. Um, and that's, uh, so if any of you want it, please order soon because, um, because of the growing demand, we decided we better manufacture more because of all your, so, and by the way, when we sell MB25, it goes uh, to support our education movement for truth, freedom, and health. So uh, let me go back to this. And by the way, you notice it's a uh, clean food certified. Um, it's uh, GMP certified and it's made in the United States. And if you want to find it, you can go to bhiva.com, click on the shop, and then you go to the shop area and there, there you'll find MD25. But uh, lots of units are in. We did a massive manufacturing run this time. So now going back to black pepper, so those of you joining us, we're looking at the effects of black pepper on digestive health. And in particular, what we want to do is, this is going to be a series on looking at the different ingredients involved in curry. So if we go here, let's again look at black pepper. Let me make sure people on Instagram are okay. Good. Um, so when we look at black pepper, um, as we look at any of these foods, foods are composed of many different kinds of components, chemical components, essential oils. So 2% of black pepper is essential oils, fiber, 5%, proteins, 9%, 50% is carbohydrates, fat is 15%, moisture is 11%, and ash is seven, another 7%, okay? So that's what black pepper is composed of. Macronutrients, that's what we're looking at here. The other piece is uh, the micronutrients. So these are called macronutrients, and then we, now we go down to the micronutrients, which are the actual chemicals. So two uh, sets of um, uh, micronutrients on this slide is alkaloids. So alkaloids are very, very powerful chemicals. Some alkaloids literally have you know, psychotropic effect, which means they can put you into hallucination, but the alkaloid components are the powerful piece of um, most of plants where you find these alkaloids. So one of the most powerful alkaloid that black pepper has is something called piperine. Um, again, if you go buy supplements like with turmeric, 
they'll actually put piperine in it to increase bioavailability. Um, cavacine, uh, piperdine, and pipertine, right? So four different kinds of alkaloids. And then you have three kinds of flavonoids. Quercetin, again, everyone knows we've talked about quercetin before. Quercetin is an ionophore. We've talked about if you take quercetin with zinc, it allows zinc to go into the cell, um, pass through the cell membranes. Very, very good for stopping viral replication of RNA. A lot of paper, papers written on that. Isorhamton and camphorol. Camphorol, uh, again, very, very powerful camphor, right? So you have, those are the flavonoids, right? And the alkaloids, all right. So now there are also other micronutrients, minerals and vitamins, calcium, iron, zinc, magnesium, again, all in pepper. And then we have vitamin C, vitamin B1, B2, and B3. Great, good to have you from California too, all right? So we have, um, those are the different kinds of ingredients in there. And, and as many of you know, I love looking at these chemical diagrams. Let me make sure everyone's okay on Instagram, good. So you'll notice that piperine, we're, we're gonna come back to piperine right here. It's a very, very interesting uh, uh, molecule right here, but that's piperine. Uh, Cavacine is over here. Piperdine, very interesting molecule. It's a nitrogen group. Um, and then you have pipertine, right? So it's a pretty long chain, a um, uh, lot of carbons here, camphorol, uh, quercetins over here, and isorhampton. But these are the main chemicals. So again, now remember what pharmaceutical companies do is they'll typically just take one of these ingredients, right? And they'll try to uh, take an ingredient and they'll typically add some other group so they can patent it, right? So they'll take a derivative sometimes a natural product and add something else so they can own it. Um, but here we're looking at the many, many different ingredients within uh, black pepper, all right? So what are the biological effects, okay? So the biological effects of black pepper, particularly we're now looking at the piperine, are multiple. So let's start at 12 o'clock and go down. First of all, um, it has an inhibition of drug metabolizing system, okay? So basically it inhibits, um, you know, drug metabolism, right? It's a protective effect on cytotoxicity by carcinogens, right? Which means cytotoxicity is your cells, cyto means cells and the toxicity of those cells. So Pepper has a very powerful effect in protecting your cells. Anti-fertility effects on the reproductive system. Um, other miscellaneous effects, anti-inflammatory, anti-thyroid activity, thermogenic action, a growth stimulatory effect on melanocytes. Um, antioxidant influence, right? During diabetes, induce oxidative stress. In carcinogens, it induce oxidative stress. In high for diets, uh, induce oxidative stress. It has effects, which we're gonna to focus today on the gastrointestinal system. Uh, it has effects on the gastric mucosa, anti-diarrheal property. Um, we'll talk about that anti-mutagenic and anti-cancer effects, another very powerful aspect of piperine. And the other thing piperine does, this is very important on the upper left here, modulation of bioavailability of therapeutic drugs and other phytochemicals. So what do I mean by that? This is probably one of the most important things to understand pepper. Pepper, enhances, right? So if you ever go to the restaurant, what do they do? They, you know, after they serve you pasta or they serve you something and say, would you like some pepper, right? Because what pepper does, it actually increases the bioavailability. That's what the powerful aspect of pepper is. It increases bioavailability, right? So that's what this means, modulation of bioavailability 
of therapeutic drugs and phytochemicals and carcinogens, all right? So it's a very interesting thing. Pepper enhances effects. Okay, let's go on to the next. Um, so what are the health benefits of pepper? So health benefits are looking at the overall macro level effects. Lots of lots of many different effects. So I'll walk through gangrene, urate, diarrhea, abdominal tumors, constipation, sunburn, oral abscesses, tooth decay, liver disorders, pyretic, which means increases heat, epilepsy, joint pain, lung diseases, insomnia, insect bites, indigestion, hernia, heart disease, and now all of these are coming from the research. None of this is we're making up. This is from the, known, from the known research that's been done to date. So these are the multitude of health benefits. I mean, we could spend probably a whole class on any one of these, but you can see that pepper is a very powerful systems herb. It affects many aspects of your system. This is why nearly every culture uses pepper. Next thing we want to talk about is now the digestive system. So what I've just covered in the first part of the, our class today is we really looked at what is pepper, you know, its origin, its biological functions and its health benefits and the chemicals that are involved. Now I want to take a little bit of time just to look at your digestive system because I want you to understand what your digestive system is about. It's one of the most important things, right? We put a lot of stuff in it every day. How does it actually work? What are the molecular mechanisms, okay? And then we want to talk about by understanding at the molecular level, I mean, there's many people who just say, here's your digestive system, eat some probiotics. But what we want to do as a part of everything we want to offer is we want to start looking at the interconnections. What are the parts of the digestive system? How do they interrelate? And then we want to go down to the molecular level. And then we want to see when you eat pepper with its ingredients, how does the pepper system affect your digestive system? All right. So let's go look at that. So. So get ready to learn a little bit of the digestive system, okay? So here's your body, okay? Um, and it's the, it, your, 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 your digestive system is really the food conversion part of your body. By the way, at, at tonight at 7 p.m., I'll be doing a three-hour course um, on uh, our Truth, Freedom, and Health, the Foundations of Systems program. We offer this to everyone. I, I'll, I'll play a little bit about it, what that's about. But you notice that, the digestive system is a conversion part of your body. Um, every system in the universe has three aspects, transport, which is movement, conversion, and then something called storage. Well, we're looking at one aspect of your body, which is a conversion part, which is what your digestive system is. And as you see here, you have the mouth. So the digestive system is composed of hollow organs and solid organs. In Chinese medicine, they call them the yin and the yang organs, okay? But the hollow organs include your mouth, right? Because that's where it goes. Your esophagus, which is hollow. Your stomach, which is hollow. The small intestines, your large intestines, and, and, and the anus. These are all called hollow organs. But the solid organs are the liver, right? Which is on the right, the pancreas, and the gallbladder, okay? So when you're looking at your digestive system, it's all of those pieces. So if we traverse this, you see your mouth um, over here. Let me just make it a little bit bigger for people. You have your mouth, you have your salivary glands, you have your esophagus, all right? Then you have your, you know, on the right side of you for most people is your liver and your gallbladder, right? Then you have your stomach, 
you have your pancreas, which is a very small organ down here. You have your large intestines, and then you also have your small intestines, okay? You have your rectum, and then your anus, and over here is your appendix, which is hanging off over here, okay? So you have a number of, of components, and they're all connected together, which is what gives you your digestive system. But the goal of digestion, if you want to think about it, a good digestive system takes food and it pulverizes it to give you as much nutrients as possible, create as little waste as possible, right? And um, that would be a very powerful digestive system. You could think about someone who has a good digestive system, they can live on less food than someone who has to eat mountains of food. So when people's digestive systems are working well, when you chew properly and you take your time, which is very difficult to do in the modern world, your body gets the nutrients it needs, your body digests it through all of these processes, okay? So that's the digestive system. So now let's go a little bit deeper. And we wanna concentrate on a couple of things. We're gonna look at the mouth, the esophagus, and the stomach. And we wanna go a little bit deeper, right? So what are these subsystems? Well, the mouth is, you literally have teeth where you're, it's mechanical action. Let me make sure everyone's okay, good. So the mechanical action takes place here. You're using your teeth and, and, you, and you're breaking down a large morsel of food down to a small piece, right? And then you're mixing them with your salivary enzymes that begin the biochemical breakdown of food, right? So mechanical action and chemical action is taking place in the mouth. The esophagus, which is the next piece right here you can see, which is this long piece, right? Is a transport of food from your mouth. So that's a transport piece, right? The movement of food. And then the stomach down here, right here, is a breaking down of food with acids and enzymes into usable form. Now, a lot of people, it turns out, who have digestive issues, um, unfortunately, people may say, hey, you don't have, uh, you know, you're too acidic. Turns out most people, it's some very nice work that's come out. I'll, I'll do another talk on this. It's many people don't have enough acid in their stomachs, okay? So enzymes, you know, um, uh, they don't have enough hydrochloric acid. So many times they're misdiagnosed as they have too much acid, right? But the reality is they don't have enough acid. But when your stomach is working well, it'll just pulverize things, okay? So it's another important part here. Now, the small intestine and the large intestine, let's go down here. So what does the small intestine do? Well, the small intestine is the stuff that leaves the stomach. So the, so the small intestine, you know, is, is dissolves the food from the stomach with enzymes from the pancreas and bile from the liver. So the small intestines are literally a place where it's getting the enzymes from the pancreas and bile from the liver, and it dissolves the food even more. And then it's also the place where you're absorbing nutrients and it transfers them to usable food material to the large intestines. And this is where we host the gut microbiome. So let me finish again. Many people, if you look at this, uh, the, the small intestines, and you'll notice that, again, this is where the food is dissolved, but it is the home of the gut microbiome. Many of you probably heard, heard about, hey, I, I need to take some probiotics. You know, it's going to help my gut microbiome. Well, the gut microbiome is literally there in those small intestines. Very, very important. That's where really you're, 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 you're getting uh, the nutrients that you need, okay? Small intestines are key, okay, um, to a good digestion. Now, the pancreas is the thing that produces the enzymes to digest food to ma uh, macronutrients. Um, 
we'll do a whole session on this, but if you're having digestive issues, right, I, I encourage people to go study what enzymes are. Most traditional cultures always did stuff to ferment foods, right? They did stuff to pre-digest foods. That's what, you know, when you take food and you add, you know, um, marination. The ultimate goal, if you want to think about digestion, is your stomach is like a nuclear reactor, all right? Now, when you have to digest something that's hard to digest, you, you suck a lot of energy out of your body. So the best foods are ones in some ways that are pre-digested, which means you've done something to pre-digest food. If you watch animals like dogs or wolves, I mean, I'm not saying we should do this, but they will typically take fish or something and they'll bury it. They're literally letting it digest and then they eat it, okay? Um, human beings started doing this with fermented foods. It's really a pre-digestion form. Slow cooking, right? But the more you can have a way to pre-digest food or you can add enzymes to food, papaya, papain, you know, the bromelain, these are things that are enzymes that digest food. Now your pancreas produces enzymes to digest the food macronutrients, right? Trypsin, um, chymotrypsin, okay? These are the things that help break down proteins into amino acids. Remember, proteins are made up of a bunch of amino acids linked together. So you, you eat a piece of meat or you eat you know soybeans or whatever, you're getting veg vegetable protein. And the trypsin, the chymotrypsin, break that protein up to small amino acids. Now, amylase is also what the pancreas produces to break down carbohydrates, right? So the trypsin and the chymotrypsin are enzymes that are used to break down protein into amino acids, but amylase is what is used to break down uh, carbohydrates to glucose. And lipase is what's used to break down fats to fatty acids. So you got three different types of enzymes. The trypsin and the chymotrypsin breaks down protein. The amylase breaks down carbohydrates, you know, plant material, those kinds, and the lipase breaks down fatty acids, right? Fats into fatty acids. So you need a properly working pancreas, right? Or if you don't do that, you, you better supplement or figure out ways to prepare your food so you have good digestive capability, okay? Everyone cool, all right? So you're learning a lot about digestion. Um, I think a lot of people never have taken time to really understand it, but I hope you understand that your, your stomach and everything here is like a, a reactor. And the more you can make it efficient, the more power you get, um, you know, the more your brain functions better, everything works better, all right? Digestion is key to health. All right, so let's go back here. All right, so next thing is, now let's look at a couple of other organs. The liver, the liver in Chinese medicine, this is called the wood. In Indian medicine, it's called the pitta element, okay? But it's the thing that supply, supplies bile, to the small intestines. Remember, the small intestines where the pancreas is giving it these enzymes, and the liver is delivering it. Um, uh, you know the, uh, the the bile. And the other thing that happens here is the bile is given to the small intestines to break down fat, and it's also the liver also is a place where you have the filter of nutrients from the small intestines and you remove toxins. The liver is extremely important for detoxifying. When drug companies do their analysis of a drug, they're typically looking at its clearance rate. How long does a drug take to clear from the liver? And it's where uh, you have the transfer of nutrients to the blood. So all these nutrients are coming out 
uh, from the small intestines, and the liver is where they're being transferred to the blood, and you're detoxing. The gallbladder is where the bile is stored, okay? It's concentrated bile. And then the large intestines are where you absorb water, right? And so, and so now you're getting your nutrients, and from the waste, the water is absorbed, right? Left over from the digestive process in the small intestine, and it also hosts the gut microbiome too. Small intestines have the gut microbiome plus the large intestines. And the rectum is the store, the stool until it's full, okay? So the rectum is where you're storing the stool and the anus is where you evacuate the stool once the rectum is full. So there, you have all the components, but you can see the importance of the liver and the gallbladder and the large intestines for digestion. All right, so now having done, so again, to those of you who are joining us, um, this is Dr. Shiva here, and we're back. Uh, I took a couple of, more than a couple of weeks, almost a month off, but we've been still uh, making sure you got videos. We did a lot of transcripts uh, from our previous videos, but we're going back live, and, and today we're starting with um, the curry, the systems biology of curry. Curry is a combination of spices, and one of the things we're looking at is black pepper, one of those spices. So we just went through understanding what is black pepper, the components of black pepper, we just reviewed the digestive system, okay? And now we're gonna look at how black pepper affects the digestive system. How's everyone doing? Let me make sure people are tracking. All right. Let's see how I was doing. Uh, great, so everyone all right? Good. All right, so now we're gonna go into look at how the chemical components of black pepper affect this very complex digestive system, right? So let's go back to that. So, first of all, uh, black pepper affects the hollow organs, right? As well as the solid organs of the digestive system. So black pepper affects the hollow organs and mouth. One of the things that black pepper does, it increases saliva. Very, very important for oral health, but extremely important for digestion. It also increases the salivary amylase. Amylase is an enzyme that your salivary uh, that 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 that's, that's it, it supports digestion right at the mouth level. While your teeth are chewing, chewing stuff, breaking down it mechanically, amylase is important to start the digestive process. Now, the other hollow organ next to your mouth, in the stomach, that's where uh, pepper increases the production of stomach acid. If you're eating a lot of protein, if you're eating foods, you know you want uh, things like protein, particularly. You want the black pepper because you want the acid released to break down that pepper. Extremely important, okay? Uh, the other thing is black pepper also increases the activity of digestive enzymes, right, inside your intestines, right? So as you can see, pepper is enhancing the release of enzymes. And I can tell you this, if there's one thing that you want to take away from this talk today is the word enzymes, enzymes, enzymes. Enzymes are critical to digestive health. The more enzymatic activity you have, you lower the activation process for digestion, you actually have more energy, okay? If you're digestive, if you have enough proper enzymes and your food is enzyme rich, then you're not gonna get tired after a heavy meal. Most people get tired because they've wasted their body's energy output. Enzymes lower what's called the energy activation rate. Enzymes are critical um, to digestion. Now, the solid organs, liver, black pepper, so, so what we're seeing here is black pepper stim stimulates the mouth, the stomach, and the intestines. It also stimulates the liver. 
uh, and it stimulates the liver to produce bile, right? Again, very, very important to breaking down food. And then finally, the pancreas, uh, black pepper also affects the pancreas. It increases the activity of lipase, and that lipase breaks down fat. It increases the ac activity of trypsin and chymotrypsin that break down protein. By the way, if um, there are pretty very some very interesting uh, supplements out there which have a range of enzymes. They have the trypsin, they have the amylase, they have all these, and um, you should check with your doctor. Obviously, this is not a medical advice show, but typically, you know, if I eat a heavy meal and I know I ate too much, or you know, sometimes you it's Thanksgiving, I will typically have enzymes. Um, the chewable enzymes are pretty good, but I will typically eat them with my meal afterwards, right? So you're giving an extra boost of enzyme to your body, right? So it's a little trick you can do if you want to support your digestive processes. So let's look at now at the molecular level, okay? What happens when you, um, you know, what happens when you actually uh, eat black pepper, okay? What's actually going on? Well, one of the things here is black pepper increases lipase. Light comes from lipid, which is fat, right? So lipase is the enzyme. ASC, whenever you see that, that means it's an enzyme, is the enzyme that breaks down fat, okay? So black pepper increases pancreatic lipase and intestinal lipase. So, so again, remember, one of the things that black pepper does is, think about black pepper enhances the effect of other things. So black pepper increases more lipase activity, which means your uh, pancreas puts out more lipase as well as your intestines. So how does it do that, okay? Now, triglycerides constitute 90% of the dietary fat. If you ever eat meat, and if you think about the fat, that's triglycerides. And the enzyme lipase, which is secreted by the pancreas and intestines, converts the type triglycerides into fatty acids and monoglycerides. So it breaks them down into these components. So for example, the omega-3s and the omega-6s, which people talk about, and you want to get them from fatty fish, are the fatty acids, okay? But if you have triglycerides, you need the lipase. It's like a lipase, think about it like a a knife that cuts up those triglycerides into smaller, important fatty acids. So that's what the enzyme lipases do. And what piperine does is you're noticing here on the left here, my cursor is a little bit small, uh, but the piperine enhances the activity of both the lipases to increase fat digestion. So here's pepper. So here's the cell wall, right? Here's, here's triglycerides. Again, 90% of dietary fats are triglycerides. They have this long chain here. And what happens is a pepper supports pancreatic lipase as well as intestinal lipase, which means you get more of them being created and literally cuts up these triglycerides into fatty acids and it cuts them up into monoglycerides. And this is what's called fat digestion. So the key takeaway is that pepper, particularly the piperine in pepper, increases the ability for your body to break down triglycerides, okay? And, and you're seeing that at the molecular level here. Next thing is, uh, it also increases amylase activity, right? So lipase is to fats, but amylase breaks down carbohydrate digestion. This is why if you go to an Italian restaurant, right? What do they do? You have your pasta, they say, hey, would you like some fresh pepper? And this is how, this is why that works. So you have, now in the mouth, you have salivary amylase that converts dietary carbohydrates into the polysaccharides, into the dextrin, sucrose, lactose, and maltose. If you 
eat some pasta or you eat your pizza, right? In your mouth, the amylase activity starts converting them. And what you can see here is, so dietary carbohydrates, if you look on the left here, oops, let me make it a little bit bigger, sorry about that. Very nice diagram, but we have some help you. So if you look on the left here, you have dietary carbohydrates, salivary alpha amylase, so pepper in your mouth will increase the production of more alpha amylase. So it'll help break down right away in your mouth, okay? And now you get these polysaccharides, dextrin, sucrose, lactose, and maltose. These are these sugars. So in the small intestine, pancreatic amylase converts these complex sugars. Okay, you don't have glucose yet. You have these complex sugars into glucose, galactose, and fructose. The simple sugars are then absorbed into the bloodstream. So here you have alpha amylase, but also pepper effects supports pancreatic, pancreatic alpha amylase. So these complex sugars uh, uh, from your stomach to your small intestines are broken down into monosaccharides, glucose and galactose and fructose. And therefore you get active transport through the intestinal lining into your bloodstream. So the pepperine enhances the activity of both amylases two amylases here, salivary, in your mouth, the amylase, and the amylase uh, in your pancreas, right? So you're getting a double whammy here. This is why, you know, traditional uh, cultures, like Italian cultures, always, you know, go to the restaurant, they say, do you want some pepper? Because it's going to increase the breakdown of the carbohydrates in your mouth uh, into these complex sugars, and then in your gut, in your small intestines, into the simple sugars, all right? Now, the other piece is, so again, we're looking at each, just to let everyone know, there's three types of foods we're looking at, right? Or three types of components. You have fats, you have carbohydrates, and then you have proteins, okay? So the fats, lipase is the enzyme for that. Carbohydrates, amylase. And then for proteins, you have two different kinds of, you have a variety of enzymes, okay? You have, I mean, chemicals, you have hydrochloric acid, you have pepsin, you have trypsin and chymotrypsin. These are very important to breaking down protein, extremely important. And you want to have enough of those. Again, I want to emphasize, I recommend everyone do research. A lot of MDs, right, a lot of them will diagnose people with digestive issues as, oh, you're not, um, you know, you have too much acid. When in fact, a lot of research shows that they're misdiagnosing. It's actually they don't have enough acid. So here we start with dietary proteins. So dietary proteins. What the first step that happens, dietary proteins are denatured. What does denaturing mean? Denaturing means they're hydrolyzed. If you take an egg, if you take an egg and you drop an egg into your frying pan, remember where it's all gel-like, you can see through the whites, and then when it becomes white, that's called denaturing. The protein structure literally changes conformation. That's called so when you have the see-through egg yolk and it becomes the egg white, that's called denaturing. Okay? Heat does that. But proteins are denatured and hydrolyzed in the stomach by stomach acids and the enzyme pepsin. So when you go to the mouth, so you don't really have a lot of acid in your mouth, but in the stomach is where you have pepsin and hydrochloric acid. And guess what? Pepper and pepperine enhances, again, the hydrochloric acid and the pepsin. So right away, it helps you denature and get partially hydrolyzed protein. So let me bring back the diagram here. So by the way, if you go to the supplement store, you'll notice some of the supplements will say hydrolyzed protein, which means they've done the pre-denaturing. The idea is that your body can absorb it better, okay? 
But again, you have the dietary proteins that go through your mouth. You're chewing, chewing, chewing. They come to your stomach. You eat pepper with the protein. The pepsin and the hydrochloric acid are, you have more of them by the pepper, and then you get the hydrolyzation of the protein. Okay, step one. The other thing is the pancreatic enzymes. Now your pancreas kicks in, and trypsin and chymotrypsin, as you can see here, break down those denatured protein into smaller peptides. Okay? This is no different than you have, you know, if you ever go chopping a tree, you chop the tree down, that's like the hydrolyzation. Then you have to use a pancreatic enzyme to start cutting them into small pieces. So that's what's happening here. The pancreatic enzymes use trypsin and chymotrypsin to break down the denatured protein into small peptides, which are short-chain proteins, and then they get further broken down into amino acids, which are the building blocks of pretty much everything you need in your body, okay? And that occurs in the small intestines. So now you get small peptides and amino acids, and these amino acids are sucked into your bloodstream. So remember, at the end of the day, the fatty acids are what you absorb into your bloodstream. That comes from fats, triglycerides. Then the carbohydrates ultimately are turned into sugars, which get absorbed. And then when it comes to protein, ultimately you're trying to create amino acids, which get absorbed. So literally, you're going through literally a manufacturing process. And you can see pepper enhances that process. So what that means is you get more bang for your buck when you add in pepper. All right. Now, so what I wanted to just step back here a bit is what you see when you take something like pepper, what you're finding is pepper has a multitude of effects. Again, you can see here, it has the effect here on, you know, let me go back here. You can see pepper has the effect on your fat, right? Right there. It has an effect on uh, carbohydrate digestion. It has an effect on protein digestion, carbohydrates, protein, and fat. And part of one of the reasons that I enjoy doing going from biology to politics, to me, they're very closely related because when you take a systems approach, you can really take a lot of stuff from nature, natural systems to understand how we win on the societal level. So what you learn here is that we have to take a synergistic approach, right? Pepper, that nature has produced pepper, which has a synergistic effect. It has a multitude of effects. It doesn't just affect protein digestion, doesn't just affect carbohydrate. It just doesn't affect fat digestion, it affects all those things. So if we want to really change the world, um, one of the things we teach in our foundation assistance classes that we need to take a systems approach to also understand the body. So I'm going to take a little bit of a break because um, part of what I want to do here is to entertain all of you to become truth, freedom, and health warriors. I want you to learn the science of systems. And it's taken me about 30, 40 years to teach you the science of systems. I teach you the value of those approach when you look at the body as a system, when you look at foods. But when you look at the aspects of truth and freedom and health, just like you can look at the different aspects of components in your body, um, that's what we just walked through to affect digestion, you can look at truth, freedom, and health that way. A lot of, there are a set of people who just fight for truth, let's say. They just want to focus on science or want innovation, right? And there's a whole movement of people out there, the nerds you could call them. Then there's another set of people who want freedom, right? Who want the First Amendment, who want the Second Amendment, right? They want to protect freedom. And sometimes they're, you know, segregated as people call them, quote unquote, conservatives or rednecks. And then you have the people who want health. Again, sometimes people segregate them as the earthy, crunchy granola people or the yoga Nazis. 
And my view is that all these three aspects are necessary synergistically, just like we talked about. You need the pancreas, you need your stomach, you need your mouth, you need all, just like that. If we want to really build a really robust system in a society, we need all these three things, truth, freedom, and health. So the science of systems will literally give you an opportunity, not only to understand the body as a system, but to understand that there are some fundamental principles that we need to absorb into our own psyche if we're really serious about making the world a better place. And that's the movement for truth, freedom, and health. So I wanna play you a little bit of video, and right after that, and I wanna encourage all of you to become truth, freedom, and health warrior scholars, because what I'm sharing with you here comes out of the foundations of systems uh, training that I put together. It's a way that you can contribute to yourself, but as a part of that, you also contribute to our growing movement. So let me just uh, play that video here, remove this other one. I'm gonna play that and I'll come back shortly and we'll finish up um, Black Pepper. Have allowed our country to be taken over from within and the end goal. Oh, wrong video, man, yeah, this one. Shiva Ayadure, welcome to VA Shiva, the platform of education, technology. One second, everyone, here we go. Hello, this is Dr. Shiva Ayadure. Welcome to VA Shiva, the platform of education, technology, and activism, so you may raise your consciousness to win the truth, freedom, and health you need to create the future you deserve. The VA Shiva platform provides this truth, freedom, health warrior scholars the following three capabilities. Number one, an ultimate education that is based on the science of systems. Number two, technologies to empower you to take charge of your health, as well as social media tools, independent of big tech, so you can connect with other incredible truth, freedom, health warrior scholars equally dedicated like you to winning truth, freedom, and health. Three, instruments for activism so you become a beacon of light in your online and offline community to educate others' growth and advancement. VA Shiva provides you the foundations of the science of systems, the ultimate education. The science of systems provides you the missing fundamental scientific knowledge to understand every system in and around you. The science of systems will enable you to uncover the real problem and real solution in any situation and on any issue. Concerning the educational component, first you will receive direct access to me to learn the science of systems in my three-hour live private online group class that I run every week. Second, you will have access to archived lectures so you can continue your education independent of me. Third, you can test your proficiency in learning the fundamental principles and get a formal certification for the foundations of systems. Independent of this classroom education, you will receive also four important books. The first book is the best-selling classic Systems and Revolution from which you can learn all of these concepts and more. The second book is the science of everything that will educate you on how the science of systems is the foundational knowledge of every system in the universe. The third book, Your Body, Your System, focuses on how to understand the interplay of these systems within your own body. And then the fourth book, Your System, Your Life, will help you apply these principles to other aspects of your life, such as running a business, understanding relationships, and more. Beyond the curriculum and books, the second capability is the technologies that you will be afforded. One of them is a powerful Your Body, Your System software, which is an online laboratory where you can use your body as a system to further deepen your understanding of the science of systems. Systems. The tool allows you to understand what kind of system you are. Is your system on course or is it off course? And how the inputs of food, supplements, herbs, activities such as sleep, yoga, meditation, exercise can affect your body to bring it back on course. Finally, to support your education, I've also included a seminal scientific paper that I wrote which will help you understand that the knowledge of systems it does not only originate in the modern world starting in the 1920s and 30s, but it actually dates back 10 to 20,000 years and intersects directly with the foundations of 
Eastern Systems of Medicine. In addition to this, you will also get two scientific papers sharing how the science of systems can also be used to apply to understanding how food is medicine. One paper exposes turmeric from the molecular systems level and how it affects your body. The other paper explores ginger and how that affects your body. That's just the educational piece. As you raise your consciousness through this education, you will likely want to connect with other Truth Freedom Health Warrior Scholars in an environment where you can connect and build community. To support that, I've also created two powerful social media tools. One of them is the VA Shiva Forum. Here you can start discussions, you can pose questions and meet others and have healthy debates. The other is VA Shiva Social, where you can create your own profile, your own presence, like other major social media tools. However, it is independent of big tech. You can use VA Shiva Social to interconnect with your fellow Truth Freedom Health Warrior scholars and build community. Beyond the education capability and the social media capability, the platform also enables you to take action by disseminating your knowledge on the ground and into your local online and offline communities. Powerful educational cards and research are included so you can pass these cards to your friends and neighbors that provide them summarized content which further directs them to online research and education. In addition to this, the activism component also provides you many, many short one-minute educational video content, memes and text, allowing you to quickly craft messages for your Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok and other pages so you can deliver content to educate others and drive them to longer educational posts on VA Shiva. VA Shiva is fundamentally an enabling platform for you to get the truth, freedom and health you deserve through education, technology and activism. I hope you become a truth, freedom and health warrior scholar today. Thank you. All right, everyone. So I always do that little video before I just have to repeat that, but we put that video together because at the heart of all of this, whether you're looking at the body as a system, whether you're looking at society, the healthcare system, there are fundamental principles. And that's the foundations of systems course. You know, I believe every child starting at the kindergarten level should learn systems thinking because systems thinking is what goes beyond left or right, goes beyond black and white. And it basically is an opportunity for working people to unite and build this movement. If you look at any major problem or dialectic we have, which is pro or anti, most of those pro or anti movements, people are making money on both sides. And our goal here is to go beyond the pro or anti dialectic, because when you take a systems approach, you have to base it on science. It's not a left or right thing. Right now, the Republicans make money uh, on one side, splitting us up, and the Democrats make money. In fact, if any one of you have seen The Godfather, imagine every one of those thugs, left or right, whether whoever it is, what's happening right now in the world is before they stood, if you remember The Godfather, they say, okay, Vito, you can have Long Island, and you can have uh, Queens, and you can have, right? They used to split up neighborhoods. Today, what the thugs do on the left and right, Republican or Democrat, they break the neighborhoods or neighborhoods of our mind. So one guy says, okay, I'm gonna, you get to own the election fraud narrative. And if you think about it, the election fraud narrative, the people who claim that there's election fraud have not done nothing against it. They're just making money. Corey Lewandowski and the Save America Super PAC made 75 million. I haven't seen any of them really going after election fraud. You take climate change, right? They, the Democrats talk about climate change. That's another narrative, right? But they're doing nothing to lower pollution. China has been allowed to double their pollution. This is all a big scam. So Republicans and Democrats break up the world. They split all of us up. And without a systems approach, you will always be fooled and you'll be in one camp or the other. There's only one camp and that camp is the camp of truth, freedom and health. And we have to build a movement. So I encourage all of you 
If you're serious about changing the world, learn the foundations of systems. And it's the same approach that we're taking um, you know, to understand how black pepper works in your body. You can understand how the healthcare system works. So let's go back. Uh, so anyway, truth, freedom, and health uh, is a systems approach, okay? And uh, everyone should go to truthfreedomhealth.com, support our movement, support the education, become a truth, freedom, and health warrior. So when we look at black pepper, one of the tools that all of our truth, freedom, and health warrior get is a tool called your body, your system. So that's an engineering systems approach. It's a rediscovery of traditional systems of medicine. And when you t and by the way, all of you, when you sign up, get access to this tool called Your Body, Your System. And you can literally understand there are three forces in nature that are involved in this. So one of the forces in nature is called transport. Let me explain this. Um, if this is the center zero, 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 transport represented by T, is the forces of movement, right? So for example, walking, speaking, storage is the, your skeletal structure, your physical infrastructure, fat, and conversion is like your digestive element. When you take this tool, you answer a set of questions that'll figure out how much transport, conversion, and storage are in your body. That's that red dot. Every one of us is different. And the red dot is what kind of constitution you are in the traditional system of medicine from a Western approach, it's what kind of body type you have. Then you can answer a different set of questions and it'll figure out that's this black dot, how far you're away from you. What that means is that how far are you away from your own balance? By the way, the red dot will move. Everyone has a different red dot, meaning a different homeostasis. And then you can use the tool to actually figure out how different foods and supp supplements bring you back to you. That's why what, the reason I wanted to do this curry series is that curry is a mixture of spices. Someone just said, oh, is Shiva saying everyone should eat black pepper? No. What I'm saying is that food is medicine. Some people can take a lot of black pepper, their body doesn't get aggravated. Other people, a little will aggravate them, okay? So everyone's body is unique. That's why dosaging is important. How much, right? Anything, even mercury, even arsenic at low dosages, they actually have profound effects for the heart in the case of arsenic and in the case of even mercury. At low dosages, they actually have a very profound effect on certain neuro uh, neurological function. It's the dosaging. So nothing is bad or good in nature. It's all about dosaging. And that's the art of medicine. Um, medicine is both an information science as well as, you know, an art. But that's what it's about. So anyway, um, I encourage all of you to go check this out, your body, your system. Uh, anyone who's a supporter who contributes 25 or more gets this. Um, it's our gift to you. So when you look at, so let's say this is my body type. What you can see is what black pepper does. It lowers, in the Indian system, they call it vatha. It lowers transport, movement. Look what black pepper does. It increases pitta, conversion, digestion. And black pepper also lowers Kapha. What kapha is, uh, kapha is fat, okay? Black pepper helps break up fat storage. You see how beautiful this is? So you can use the foundations of systems method for every spice. Um, so this is what I discovered when I did my Fulbright research, that you can literally take the Indian system of medicine, map it into an engineering systems theory. So there's a different way you can also understand every spice is you can look at it as does it lower transport? Does it, you know, does it lower 
conversion or increased conversion, lower storage or increased conversion. So this maps beautifully because black pepper lowers kapha in the Indian system that's known as storage. By the way, I'm not going to teach you Indian medicine. You can take a whole course, go to systemshealth.com. But uh, the point is you get the same, you get to the same place. Black pepper breaks up fat, as we know now, breaks up, it increases lipase. It increases pitta conversion because it increases enzymes. And it also lowers vata, which is transport, okay? So dosaging, how much should you take, okay? Actually, I didn't think I was sharing that here. Let me go back to the diagram here. Let me go back. So I don't think I was sharing this. Let me go back here. So if you guys didn't see that, this is what I was sharing here, that you should, everyone should go here and study your body, your system. You'll learn this. But you can see here that black pepper lowers vata, right? Transport, conversion, and storage of different effects. But anyway, how much should you have? Well, um, so for cold and cough, okay, there's different things. Again, this is from traditional medicine. You can make a paste of uh, black pepper, right? Around 10 to 15 black pepper seeds, 50 grams of ginger, 50 grams of garlic and butter. And this is from Takuri et al. And it's been published. So pepper, ginger, and garlic and butter. It's a very traditional remedy that's used throughout India, but that has a very powerful effect on lowering coughs and colds, okay? Pepper as for increase of bioavailability of anti-convalescent drug. What that means is if you add pepper to other drugs you're taking, it actually increases your bioavailability. So you have to know that if you're eating a lot of pepper and you're taking other drugs, it can even have, it can enhance that drug's effect. So in this case, you're looking at Petnaik said about 20 milligrams of pepperine have been known to increase the bioavailability of anticonvulsant drugs. Black pepper for inflammation, 5 to 20 milligrams of piperine. That's taslim and that's piperine, which is the high extracted form of black pepper. And black pepper for diabetes. Remember, diabetes is an issue where you have problems with your body's ability to metabolize sugar, right? And so 300 milligrams per kg. So if you're set, you know, let's say you're 60 kilograms, which is about 122 pounds, right? So you want about 300 milligrams per kg, which mean, which would mean about, you know, um, 18 grams, right? So it's quite a bit of the leaf extract. That's Kaleem 2005. So in conclusion, black pepper is a versatile spice that helps digestive health, immune health, cardiovascular health, and it also enhances the bioavailability of other foods. The last piece is probably one of the most important things that's a key takeaway. Black pepper increases bioavailability. That's why, because it increases, it enhances, as we look at the next bullet, the digestive system. It increases acid production in the stomach. It increases bile production in the liver. It increases the activity of digestive enzymes, amylase in the mouth and pancreas for carbohydrate digestion, lipase for pancreas and uh, in the pancreas and intestines for fat digestion, trypsin and chymotrypsin, um, and the pancreas for protein digestion. So there you go, black pepper from curry and digestive health. So that was what we wanted to do today, and I think we covered a lot. And what time is it, Doug? We have, it's 4.48. I'll come back at 5.30, and I'm going to give an update on the lawsuit. Many of you have been asking, so we have some very uh, powerful news um, some major discoveries that we've made that affect every person's life on this planet, in fact, where we figured out how government has created a, which is our loss, it was the first one to show this, the first one to actually want to fight it, okay, unlike others who just want to talk about it, 
and they'll probably raise money off of. We're actually in there fighting. Um, but I want to encourage everyone to come back at 5.30. Let me see if there's any questions on black pepper before we sign off. Broccoli is amazing, someone says. Yep, that's true. Can you speak on the, uh, we're blessed to learn and be here together? Yep, definitely true. Michelle Ava Moralt says that. Uh, yep, well, listen, um, talking about this fool Fauci, you know, if you notice what the left and the right do, suddenly the quote-unquote conservative right, Rand Paul is out there. Now he wants to run fire Fauci. Well, we ran that campaign a year and a half ago. Rand Paul was cricket set. But now since he needs to raise money, he's going to talk about fire Fauci. He's an opportunist. Sorry. Rand wasn't there when we created the, when we launched the fire Fauci campaign. Too little, too late. These politicians are all scumbags. That's what they really are. And what they do is they watch which way the wind's blowing. And when they want your money, they try to take the people on the right and they'll now go after Fauci. And then the people on the left will talk about climate change. And meanwhile, they split the working people in this country. We'll talk more about that at 5.30. But it's time that everyone here understands the science of systems so we go beyond the left and right. And that's what this talk here was today, that when you take a scientific approach, whether, you know, in this case, we looked at the pepper and the body. But when you take a systems approach, you can really find out what's going on. And it's not a left or right. It's not pepper's good or bad. It's about understanding its dynamics. And it's about recognizing that it's all about dosaging. All right. Well, anyway, thank you, everyone. So we're back. And uh, the next, I think we're going to do a whole series, like I mentioned, on pepper. There's about 10 different spices that are not on pepper, on curry powder. And then eventually, you know, if you use the, your body, your system tool, one idea we have is figure out what's the right curry for you. Anyway, thank you, everyone. Be well. I'll be back at 530 to give you an update on the politics. Thank you.